SHO podcast on addiction with Dr. Chip Dodd and Phil Herndon. This is a new weekly podcast recorded at the Center for Professional Excellence. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the SHO podcast. This is Phil Herndon along with Dr. Chip Dodd recording in the uh, Center for Professional Excellence at Journey Pure pod- podcast room known as uh, Chip's office. Oh, hey, Chip. Yep. Hey, Phil. How you doing? I'm, 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 uh, I'm just like I was a few <laughs> seconds ago when you asked me. <laughs> oh, I did? Off the, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, that. still doing really well, Chip. All right. You're at uh, middle of the afternoon. Guys are in lecture, so we got a little chance to come over here and talk a little bit more about addiction. Yeah. So we've been uh, doing this series, I don't know, several episodes now, and uh, we just had a luncheon where you did a talk uh, for the group there on something real familiar to uh, certainly CPE guys and their families, this whole idea that uh, professional people have a lot of intellect, they're really moral people, and they have a ton of willpower. They're really tough. But there were some outgrowths that you shared with this physician's program that were here that I think really, I guess for lack of a better term, made some light bulbs come on for them. I was kind of looking yeah. in the room as you were talking. And when you when you talked about those three things, they were nodding like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you, you talked about some outgrowths of that. So I thought it would be a great subject today to talk about in terms of addiction and recovery yeah. and what happens if a person has only those three things. Only in let yes. rally will power. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, just, you know those three you things. Gave, gave wow, that yeah. like, like you gave that that uh, chip. You do know what we're talking about. Yeah. You have that look on your face. Yeah, it's on the tee there, buddy. Go ahead and hit it. Yeah. Hey, but uh, I, I was thinking just to back up a little bit uh, for those of you guys who have uh, been with what Phil and I do, and others here at CPE do, is that uh, a, a professional is, uh, of course, somebody we normally associate with having a license or we associate with having a career. Um, But really, underneath it all, Phil and I consider a professional to be someone who really brings and works with their hands, their head, and their heart. They're people who are all in, who have um, capacity, which means room for growth, and ability, which means ability, which means uh, ability means ability, which means able to get stuff done related to capacity, and they become capable. They're capable people who work with their hands, heads, and heart. Uh, another way of saying is competent and caring. And I, I was saying earlier that I've, I've been mocked even before about calling a professional an artist. Mm-hmm. That anyone who is an artist, I would consider a professional. Anyone who brings it all with competence and care. Uh, is a professional. So, but one of the things we've noted over the years, and can, it's consistent, it's as consistent as almost the mundane of the sun rising and sunset. I mean, it's the norm, is that, that all professionals who we've treated over the years, and really professionals that we know and have seen, and the readings we do, the studies we've done, uh, the research we've read, professionals carry around three characteristics of intellect, willpower and morality Mm -hmm. and yet when addiction strikes these people are living proof that addiction exactly exists that that there is a disease of addiction there is a a possession a compulsion something that cannot be stopped because we've treated some of the smartest toughest and best people in the world no doubt and yet here they are uh, being controlled by something they can't control Mm-hmm. So these very smart, tough, and uh, moral people, meaning concerned. Moral means concerned, 
all the way down to knowing how to hide something. And some people, people around us, people who've been around us, we they know that we, we even basic morality is knowing how to hide something. So, and yet these people come in and they're they've achieved so much, yet they look stupid, and they're not. They look weak, and they're not. They're proven. And they look bad, and they're not, because mm-hmm. they know the difference. Mm-hmm. And so we know that it's living proof of addiction, but it also proves that those three things don't, don't fix, repair, or cure, or put a person in relief mm-hmm. from addiction. So we've clearly said over the years, that you don't have a, an intelligence problem or a willpower problem. You don't even have a moral problem. You have a heart problem. Yeah. And what we've noticed is over the years that people who become, especially helping professions, the social servant professions, the uh, the jurisprud- people of jurisprudence, people in health, medicine, mm-hmm. people in theology and academia, what we've noticed is that these people have used those capacities, intelligence, uh, willpower, and morality to become people uh uh, who are able through their abilities, they become caretakers. This is the this is the goodness of a professional, and this is the curse of the professional. Yeah. Is that almost all professionals wind up attempting to find their fulfillment or their emotional emotional connectivity by applying their intelligence, willpower, morality, and their profession mm-hmm. to caretaking other people taking care of other people, which is, in a lot of ways, the assignment of the profession. Yep. But in doing so, they lose the capacity to care for themselves, to, to take care of themselves, um, because their worth often becomes their work. So they become caretakers. They're achievement-oriented. If, if they, they, the more I can get done, the more capable I am of caretaking, and the more well-thought-of I will be, the more trophies I will receive, the more degree stamps I will get, and that's basically the highest form of production of intellect, willpower, and morality mm-hmm. is achievement. So they're achievement-oriented, they're caretaking, they're people-pleasers, uh, which means that if you're happy, I'm okay. And then they are, are approval-seekers. Um, your facial expression and the applause that comes with that is the what stamps me as valid. So these people are invalid or invalid or uh-huh. well said invalid. And we've got a whole series of information we do with professionals in terms of the obsessive compulsive tendencies that make mm-hmm. them really good at something also can make them quickly pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so these four characteristics become a, a, a way of finding fulfillment or connection. And when once a person loses heart through performance, then they have to have connections some other way. These four things, caretaking, approval-seeking, achievement orientation, and people-pleasing, become the four forms of finding connection. But it, they depend upon external flow of performance. I perform and then I stick my hand out for the reward. Which, like you said, people like this are really good at. Fabulous. Really and good they, at that. They, they, they get it. And the problem is that it becomes a uh, that which fills me but doesn't nourish me. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like satiation. I'm satiated, but I dry out. I'm not gratified. Satisfaction versus gratification. You know, I'm filled but not mm-hmm. nourished. This isn't the food that actually emotionally and spiritually nourishes what we know as the limbic system or the heart. 
So those four forms uh, become an addictive process, uh, which is a great tragedy mm-hmm. that these people are really good at something. They start to use the very things they're good at doing to find a sense of worth. Because mm-hmm. along the way through performing, they lost their sense of being worth, uh, they're having their worth because they simply uh, lived. Yeah. You know, they, they mm-hmm. breathed and lived and needed and others needed them. You know, love being loved for the sake of loving, loving them. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, believe it or not, that process of working for worth or performing to be valuable becomes an addictive process, which sets the professional up for two things, two directions. Burnout, which is, which is the process of, believe it or not, um, uh, living in a stress-filled circumstance. And, and stress is uh, the body's attempt to handle the cognitive processes of performing Without having to feel, is that too complex? But yeah, break it down a little bit. Okay, yeah. That that when a person's under stress, they're under the pressure to perform to get relief from the anxiety of uh-huh. stress. It's pressure, like, like you said before. It's an engineering term. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's pressure upon an object, uh-huh. and so the body, cortisol, catecholamines, adrenaline, go up uh-huh. under pressure, and then. The thinking says, I've got to get this done for my body to relax. Uh-huh. So stress is the body attempting to handle the thoughts and the thoughts trying to make the body relax. And it's also stress is a way of avoiding feelings. Mm-hmm. That if I can get this thing over with, then I won't have to feel fear, sadness, hurt, loneliness, which mm-hmm. these people, usually stress-filled people, have lost contact with their feelings along the way anyway. yes. So anyway, those four characteristics end up increasing stress, and those all four of those characteristics are dependence upon people, dependence upon what people think. So amazing. Dependence for what? Dependence Depend- on my sense of well-being, right. my sense of, of, of sense of accomplishment, mm-hmm. my sense of worth. And so burnout is, is really a stress disorder mm-hmm. of ultimately wanting to remove myself from what once was something promising or even pleasing, or it leads to addiction proper. Um, so burnout is looking for some other profession that will be better than what I've got, mm-hmm. and addiction is the relief from performance. And looking for another profession for burnout uh-huh. is performance, uh-huh. is relief from performance. So, so burnout and uh, drugs, alcohol, sex are inanimate relationships with other things besides relationship with people to make me okay. Mm-hmm. And so the process is uh, so tragic is that once a professional loses heart, which is the ability to emotionally and spiritually be in need of dealing with one's own heart in need of other people in God, once a person loses contact with heart and the ability to use it, this process we just named, intellect, willpower, and morality, transfers over to being used to caretake, approval-seek, achievement orientation, and people-please. Relief comes from having some kind of relationship or connection with an inanimate experience. Mm-hmm. Or burnout is the, 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 the plan is to find another place to go yeah. where this doesn't exist, even starting a new career. Yeah. Um, and and, and it, it, 
it, it normally doesn't work. Addiction works for a while, a new career will work for a while, but a lot of times what needs to happen is this person needs to be emotionally and spiritually awakened, emotionally and spiritually connected, emotionally and spiritually nourished, and then by the heart taking lead, the, 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 the heart is the leader because the heart is the, 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 the connector. Uh, it connects us to what matters. It connects us to who matters. It connects us to how we're made, and it connects us to what we're made to do. So if the heart takes the lead, the intellect, the willpower, and the morality follow instead of the intellect and the willpower and the morality being in the lead, and they mm-hmm. squish the heart. The heart takes the lead, and these tools, intellect, willpower, and morality, find their proper place. Instead of being in leadership, which squashes or you know, denies the heart, the heart leads, has full expression, connectivity, full connectivity, and then and these other things become tools. Instead of caretaking, you become caring with boundaries. Instead of achievement orientation, you go do things for the sake of doing them without looking around to see who approves or who uh, is, is gives you an award. Instead of approval seeking, you have internal locus of control. You do something because it's worth doing, mm-hmm. regardless of seeing who else is watching. And then people-pleasing starts with, this pleases me. Mm-hmm. And then if you like it, that's great. And if you don't, well, I'm not doing it for you. Yeah. Though I am doing it as responsibility towards you, but I'm not trying to do it for you. So, I know people that know me, and you'll be shocked to hear that we don't rehearse this. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions that you don't know are coming. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just like that thousand, uh, what's that called? A thousand yard stare yeah. uh, when you started because I was thinking about something. Yeah. So the question comes to mind that I would have if I had not been, you know, neck deep in this for a lot of years, recovery and working with others. Question would be like, okay, so so I hear what you're saying, but what what is it that's so onerous or burdensome about taking care of people and making sure people are pleased and getting people's approval. Like I write prescriptions or I defend people in a case or I minister to people in my church. Like what, I mean, why is that wrong? So to speak. And, and that's what I'm saying. This isn't either or uh-huh. it's more of a what for. And psychologists call internal locus of control means that one's making their own choices. The r- people on the ground, the rest of us, call internal locus control is that I'm responsible for myself and towards others because it feels good and it's a good thing to do. That's what internal locus of control. <laughs> okay. I do good because it feels good and because uh-huh. it's good to do. I mean, real simple. I'm yeah. responsible for myself and I'm responsible towards others giving myself away because it feels good and it's a good thing to do. It's internal locus of control. I'm not doing it because I have to. I'm doing it because I get to. And so... uh Giving oneself is where caretaking goes back to caring. I'm not trying to get something from it it doesn't give. Mm-hmm. Okay, Caring for people doesn't mean that people are going to care back. And then approval seeking, applause lasts as long as the show is going on. Yeah, You, you can't get, you know, so I love attention, approval. I love you did a great job. Those are wonderful things, but it can't be you've done a wonderful job and therefore you're wonderful. Mm-hmm. I have to have people who love me who believe I'm wonderful because it's me, mm-hmm. not my performance. So the what for? It's like, and then uh, achievement, you and I have talked before, it, your your achievements won't love you back. 
Yeah. No matter, you, you can have all the wall full of trophies, and the, you can stand in front of them all day long. They're not going to say a darn thing mm-hmm. in terms of, like, you matter, you're worth it, uh, no matter how sick you get, no matter, poor, no matter how poor you are, no matter what troubles you have, I ain't leaving, mm-hmm. and you're worth the trouble. Achievements never say it back. Right. So you have to have somebody to love you to achieve in a genuine way because the point isn't the achievements. The point is the creating, mm-hmm. you know. And then finally, people pleasing. Man, I, I love pleasing people. I love that, you know, somebody, you know, I say something nice to somebody and they say something back and they go off and they feel good and I feel good because <laughs> they feel good. But see, that's, that's back to the I'm responsible for me, responsible towards you. Guess what? Because it feels good mm-hmm. and uh, it's good to do good things. That's called internal locus of control. So if, if I'm doing this because it's me doing it, that's a good thing. But when I'm caring for people so that they will fill me up, they will think I'm great, they will see me as special. If I'm trying to get my worth from them versus expressing my worth towards them, uh-huh. two different things. So it's not an either or, but a what for, Yeah, which means me laying claim to my intentions. I got to know, what am I doing this for? Yeah. You know? So we'll start rounding out a little bit. You bring that down. I'm kind of thinking back on the board. You know, had those four characteristics down there, people pleasing, et cetera. And down at the bottom of that was a big old word addiction with a circle around it. So yeah. just kind of complete the thought for, for today, this podcast. So, right, internal locus of control. What am I doing it for? What's internally uh, pushing me toward this? How does a person move from those three things, intellect, morality, willpower, into these four outgrowths? How's that turn in? You, while I go, you said addiction to an inanimate object. Yeah, yeah. That that if you if you and I are attempting to have relational fulfillment through performing for others, one is we won't trust their giving, and we will resent having to perform to get something. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh huh. So because we're made for connection, if we can't have connection or fulfillment. Through genuine relationship like we're made, we have to find another way because we're made for connection. So relationship, quote unquote, with an inanimate object doesn't talk back, so to speak. And that includes sex addiction, Mm -hmm. even with people. But people are objects who don't talk back, Mm -hmm. which means they don't matter. So connection through something I can control, which gets out of control, of course, becomes a substitute or counterfeit fulfillment or the experience of being connection, like we did the last podcast we did, addiction bathes the neurons but destroys the child. That it really neurochemically satiates me for a while, but then at the same time, it takes me farther and farther away from genuine connection with my heart, myself, mm-hmm. my, my head with my heart, my heart with others, and, and my heart with God. So, you know, relationship, quote-unquote, through an inanimate object becomes a substitute uh, becomes an impaired attempt to have what life is made to give me, which is a full life, mm-hmm. without having to pay the price of feeling fully. So we return to heart by feeling again. I mean, it, it's so simple, but hard to do, but it's so embarrassing almost, you know, for me and you. It's like, oh, so I've got to feel. I've got to feel those things, and those things will, mm-hmm. like, put me back in my life and they will help me connect to myself, but, but they'll hurt. Yeah, they'll hurt. 
But what if people won't love me if they find out I'm weak? Well, see, you're not weak. Uh, you you have being a feeling person is you facing that you're human, mm-hmm. and then you join the human race, which means that you face that the best we ever get is clumsy. You face that uh, life is about practice. Even yeah. doctors are practicing. Mm-hmm. We come to the conclusion that we have to live life on life's terms, and that's the point. You got to get good at that, which means dealing with mistakes and failure. And successes, of course. And then finally, it takes a lifetime to learn how to live. So most professionals are in pursuit of perfection. And then what happens is professionals have to come back to the place that we have to live is in reality. But the truth of life is we're made to feel it and we're made to participate in it and we're made to connect emotionally and spiritually with it. Um, And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Thanks, Forrest. No, that that's really good because that that today, mm-hmm. you know, these were the people we were you were talking to that we were visiting with. Um, they are uh, really smart medical people. Some of them yeah. medical doctors, some mm-hmm. clinicians uh, in the room, and uh, like I said, they they probably were familiar, at least intuitively aware of. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm smart. I know I'm tough. I know I'm mm-hmm. basically good, morally mm-hmm. good. But I just wanted. I thought it was very important to, to get out there. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, I understand that. But, but so what? Because so what is? It turns into these things, and ultimately, ultimately, uh, it ends up with this quote unquote relationship with an inanimate object, thereby reversing all we've been talking about. Yes, external locus yeah. of control. Head only, no heart, et cetera. Boy, that's well said. It's like, yeah, external locus of control, what robs us of the internal sense of pleasure, internal sense of gratification. And then it's just, yeah, it just becomes a mess. Yeah. Head over heart, um, yeah. performance over presence. It creates isolation and secrecy, aloneness. I mean, we're made for connection through relationship. You know, it, it's, it, it loves the answer. I mean, <laughs> wow. Okay. You yeah. Know, by the way, before we get off, um, for those of you who are interested, um, because people have asked for a long time, two things. One is there's been a request for The Voice of the Heart to be, become an audio book, where there is an audio book on The Voice of the Heart that's come out, it's on Amazon. And then also uh, a parenting book. People have asked about that for years. There's a book called Parenting with Heart coming out in October, and you can pre-order that on Amazon also. Um, so anyway, I just want to let you guys know that that's available for interested people or some of the old timers um, who have asked about that. It took me a long time, but we've we've gotten that done. So I'm I'm very pleased about that. So right on. Hey, uh, thanks for listening again, and uh, we will be back very soon, continuing this uh, series on addiction, and uh, thanks for listening. Hey, thanks, Phil.